This is episode 24, and I'm going to be chatting with Misha Tenenbaum about ways you can improve your visual storytelling skills with the help of Edit Mentor. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. We have a CEO today on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Misha Tenenbaum from Edit Stock and Edit Mentor is here to tell you how you can become a better visual storyteller and also give some advice to those that have that entrepreneurial spirit and are interested in starting their own business. Edit Mentor is more than just a tool to teach video editing. It's a reimagining of how all digital creative arts should be taught through hands-on, project-based practice that places the understanding of creative technique, not software, at the center of our learner's educational experience. Misha is the founder and CEO of Edit Mentor, and he started this project because he believes that after reading and writing, video editing is the world's next literacy. So today he's going to tell us more about how Edit Mentor works and how it can help you take your vision storytelling game to the next level. Before we get to our guest, though, I want to tell you about the Hollywood Editing Mentor community and how you can be a part of it. Head on over to hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash community. You can sign up. It's free and you'll get access to my private Facebook page where I host live question and answer sessions and also give you a chance to network and connect with other members of this great community. I also post news about jobs that are available in the post-production industry and give you the opportunity to submit questions for future guests of the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. So sign up today. It's free at hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash community. All right, so my guest today is Misha Tenenbaum. And before founding EditStock and Edit Mentor, Misha was a film and television editor. He edited shows for the Speed Channel, Food Network, and Indie Films. He joined the Editors Guild in 2011 and worked as an assistant editor on shows like American Horror Story, Jobs, the biopic about Steve Jobs starting Ashton Kutcher, the Fox show Wigward Pines, and Quarry for Cinemax. Misha and I will also be discussing his journey from being an editor and assistant in Hollywood to becoming a business owner, how he overcame his fear of starting edit stock, how it's important to pursue the path to what really is going to make you happy, the future of working from home in the post-production industry, how the craft of editing is evolving, and Misha will share advice for anyone trying to make a career transition or that is looking to start their entrepreneurial journey. That's all coming up next on episode 24 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Well, I gotta say, Misha, I, I tried out Edit Mentor uh, this past weekend, and I am impressed, man. What an amazing product. I mean, I cannot say how great it is, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much, and I'm so happy to be here. This is really fun. Yeah, man, happy to have you here. Uh, it's, uh, you know, been cool 
getting to know you a little bit more the past year or so. Thanks for being here. I want to talk about not only Edit Mentor today, but also uh, Edit Stock, which I used to teach my private one-on-one mentoring sessions here as part of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. So thanks again for providing some footage. But also just simply want to know how what led you to creating these, these two businesses, right? I mean, I understand that you were uh, an assistant editor and editor. That's right. And decided to uh, create these businesses. So I want to hear all about that today. Sure. Well, I think a really fun story is my first um, sort of union show that I got on, which was uh, the pilot for American Horror Story and then the first season of American Horror Story. And what was funny about it was that I applied to it like two years before I got the, got the job. I applied to just every post supervisor in town uh, and someone kept my resume for two years and then called me, which is crazy. Um I worked on TV shows for a number of years um, all over town and uh, both as an editor and as an assistant on the scripted stuff for like networks. Mostly I was an assistant on uh, I did some indie movies as an editor and some TV shows for like the Food Network as an editor or the Speed Channel as an editor. Um, But inside, you know, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. And I've always wanted to start my own business. And uh, in 2013, I started Edit Stock by making a short film and selling it back to my own film school and then subsequent film schools. And once that picked up enough that I could do it as my full-time job, I just thought, you know, I'm going to go for it. And let's just see what happens. We're all freelance in this business. So I just thought maybe a few months, maybe uh, maybe six months. Now it's been seven years. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, no, you know, it's cool about, I mean, talking about edit stock. I mean, it's like, I remember, you know, talking to a bunch of my colleagues and it was always like, hey, I wish I just had some practice footage. I wish I just could just get some hands on some footage, like a short film or something, and I could practice. Obviously, I'm sure you probably heard the same thing. I had the same feeling. How do you build a reel? Because you want to be a director, you got to go out and shoot something. You want to be a writer, you start with a blank page. But what do we do? You know, we've got nothing. So we need material in order to build a reel or build a portfolio. Right. Well, let's take let's take it back to I guess around there when you started getting the idea for edit stock. I mean, uh, obviously juggling still being say an editor or assistant editor, but then also kind of you know thinking about you know starting edit stock. Yeah. What pushed you to just kind of say, all right, I'm just going to go for it? There's a great story about that. And first, I want to say about edit stock is I was not the first one to do it. Um, I do it the best and I progressed that market much further than it used to be. But Gunsmoke has been available since the 50s or 60s. Uh, There have been other projects circulating around that film schools have used. Bright Wolf is one. Um, There were many. You know, what I added to it was having many different projects, having the uh, user be able to pick different genres, including all the footage, removing the watermarks, and most importantly, paying the indie filmmaker. So 30% of every sale goes right back to the indie filmmaker who makes the movie. And uh, we create this virtuous cycle where, you know, you buy a movie, it makes your own industry more profitable. And of my 34 filmmakers, more than half, probably three quarters now have profitable movies that they sell through me. Um, Okay. But to answer your question about this whole fear and starting uh, a business and when to do it and all that stuff. When I started my business, it was much more about, I felt shame if I didn't do it, than 
I worried about failing. I had told people about edit stock for a number of years before building it, but I never built it because I was working on union stuff. I had a job that was cool. Like I could tell my friends I'm on a show for Cinemax. I'm on a show for whatever. And it, it feels cool to say that. But at some point I just had to admit to myself that when I'm getting offered say scenes to cut at night, instead of staying late and putting in those hours to get that editor chair, I was going home and working on my side, pro- my business, because that brought me a lot of joy. And it actually took me a year or two to convince myself that it's okay to change my goals. So, um, so that was a big part of it. Another big part of it was I had told someone about my idea to start this business. And several years later, that person tried to start it essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah. When I got the email from them, I asked them if I could join them. That person said, no, I work alone. I felt shame basically that I hadn't done it myself, not anger at the other person, because like I said, it'd been a while, you know, and they just said, well, dude, you weren't doing it. So it was a good idea. Why wouldn't somebody do it? You know? And, uh, once I started doing it, that person stopped after probably a month or two. And, uh, I haven't stopped since. Wow, man. Well, congrats, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly love it. Uh, I certainly use it, uh, to, to, to teach some of the, the assistant editor and, and, and workflows and let's talk about editing. So, so thank you also for, uh, for, for partnering up and offering, uh, edit stock footage for our Hollywood editing mentor. And so at that time, then you say, I'm leaving the industry. I'm going to do this full time. I, yeah, I'm doing this full time, but I, I wouldn't say I'm leaving the industry because I feel like I'm shaping the industry just from a different angle. You know, I'm, I definitely am leaving my mark, um, not just through edit stock, but also through edit mentor. And I'm doing it in a way that, you know, it brings me, brings me happiness. Um, I used to worry a lot about legacy. I've actually been talking to my wife about this a lot. I was like really worried about what my IMDB page would look like when I retired, you know? And I was like, well, if I don't have an Emmy on there, I don't have some hit show or I don't have something on there that people recognize, then I'm going to think of back of my life like I'm a failure. And that is like just a completely wrong way of thinking of your career. You know, you should think about, you really should think about it as what brings you happiness and go do that thing. And through that work, you know, your legacy is left not just by the things you do, but by other people's interpretation of it through edit stock. You know, I've sold footage to uh, the largest, most famous film schools in the world, like USC, but also to middle schools in Kansas. And to feel like something I'm doing has touched people's lives in that way is really special. And, you know, I'm just as passionate about editing as I always have been. And it'll always be a part of my life. I, I can't imagine not putting my hands on a system and, you know, putting together a video. Um, but it just might not be for FX or Netflix or something like that. Do you miss it? Do you miss being more, say, at the chair, uh, you know, for extended <laughs> amount of hours, working late, uh, cutting, uh, being more of the creative side of it? Here are the things that I miss. I miss the people immensely because I worked with some of the most creative people that I've ever met in my life still to this day. And I really relish the lessons that I learned from them. 
you know, when you sit down, you work with someone who edited like your favorite TV show. Like I worked with one of the editors of Mad Men and you're just, you know, you watch that person edit and you're just like silent, taking it in, appreciating the artful, the, the artistry of it. And really, I many times have thought to myself working with other people like, how cool is this to see this person's dailies or meet that director or you know, work with an editor who worked on X, Y, and Z show. So that I miss immensely, but ask me if I miss, uh, turnovers, no, <laughs> tracking VFX shots. No, 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 no I, I, I get it. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but so now talk about, I mean, you, well, after edit stock, you do that for a couple of years. And then when do you start formulating the idea to start edit mentor? So I used to play chess competitively. And I trained on this program called Chess Mentor. And it, now it's just called Learn. It's a change the name. But Chess Mentor had a teacher that you would make a move on the board. And then the teacher would say to you, uh, no, you, you moved it wrong. You didn't think about this concept. Here's a video explaining why the thing you did was a mistake. And it was awesome because it was self-paced, 24 hours a day, gave terrific feedback, terrific examples. And I used it a lot. Then I looked around at what other subjects are taught that way. And it's like everything else. Computer coding is vastly popular online, taught through Codecademy and Code.org with interactive project-based curriculum. Math is like that. Science is like that. Duolingo just went public. They're an interactive uh, language training site. So it's the it's this actual... The, the two key missing components to editing education were the interaction and the bite-sized practicable bits. I'll explain more about that here in a second. But, but first of all, you, when it comes to interaction, you probably feel this way. There are no videos you could watch that at the end of watching them, you are now a good editor. Right. Right. You have to do it. There is no, there is no shortcut. And that's because... That is how human beings learn. Now let's look at how we teach anything else. How do we teach how, how to play the guitar? You don't just start by saying, here's the sheet music, go play the song, which is essentially how we teach on edit stock and how uh, teachers teach uh, video editors, right? Here's all the dailies, go make a movie, and then I'll give you feedback. And there's a lot of not just failure in that, but also you can sometimes teach yourself bad habits. You can miss obvious things. It can take you much longer to get from point A to point B in, in your training. So what's actually missing here when you learn an instrument is first you learn the notes, then you learn the chords, then you learn how to read music, then you, you know, learn how to tune the piano, you know, whatever. When you practice soccer, it's the same thing. You practice corner kicks and two-on-ones and uh, penalty kick drills and you know, all those things, you don't just scrimmage every day. So for video editing, I wanted to create a system that allowed you to take a, the big concept of editing 
and break it down into small bits that could be practiced interactively. I love that approach because I, I was thinking like building blocks, right? It's not to get overwhelmed by say, for example, when they ask me about editing, say a, a huge scene, it's like, well, no, I'll break it down into bits and pieces, right? And then you start building it. And that's what I noticed with uh, Edit Mentor. First of all, I love just how interactive it is uh, and how clear everything is. Right. It's it, everything like the, just the, the concepts themselves and, and the tools. It's very clear. I know where everything is. And, and like you said right now, it's like this, just bits of information. I don't get overwhelmed by all, all this information. Right. It's just I know where to look. I know what to read. And I just keep moving. And I but I but I retain things. Yeah, totally. Right. And also, I think the it's just also then the other side of it is it feels like someone is 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 there. Yes. Like actually kind of answering my, my questions because I, I feel like when I, I, I'm definitely someone that needs to dive into the, say, a new software, just go and start doing it so I can learn it. But I also kind of want someone there to kind of at least answer some questions or guide me. And I think this kind of blends everything very well. Yep. Yeah. You know what, um, Joaquin, what you're going to like, I think you're going to like this, this statistic. So 32,000 people in the United States consider themselves professional video editors. So 32,000. That's an incredibly small number. The number of people in the Editors Guild, I don't know what it is, 7,000 in the, in the uh, West Coast area, so in California. Do you know how many, um, how many YouTube channels there are? Oh, man, I can't even. <laughs> 35 million. Yeah, I was going to say the millions. <laughs> yeah, you know how much, how much uh, video is watched on, on YouTube every day? Billions? <laughs> Billions of hours. Billions of hours. Yeah. So what I'm getting to here when I say that is a lot more people are editing videos than consider themselves video editors. And um, we've actually, I, I started Edit Mentor to teach other professional editors or to mentor people from uh, beginner editor to advanced editor. And now we don't even call it editing. In fact, uh, we're trying to get that word out of uh, our whole curriculum. We're trying to teach people visual storytelling, which means taking footage, putting critical thinking into it in order to create a message and an emotion. And from that point of view, when you're making a explainer video for your business or you're making an advertisement or you're making, you know, a documentary, but really anything, ultimately that's what you're trying to do. Um, that's why all our lessons are like that. You know, we might, you might compare two shots and talk about what's different. So for those of you listening who don't know, when we say edit mentors, this interactive tool, it it's runs in your browser. It looks like editing software. It is editing software. You can, and now we have like, let's say a pre-built timeline with three shots on it. And each shot will have a little marker on top of it. And you click the marker and it opens up and it says, what pieces of information are in this shot? You know, this person is happy about their life. This person is uh, going to work. This person is, um, you know, rich. And it's like, how can you tell those things? Because of the stuff that's in the clips. Now, what happens if we put it in front or behind, right? That's, um, and you have to actually do it. You know, you might have to delete a clip or trim a clip or mark a shot. You know, we have different ways to answer the questions and it really makes you think, you know, 
Yeah, well, that's, that, that was so impressive um, because, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, it, it, it makes you think. It's not just about splicing images together, right? And, and you know, where's the trim tool? It's not, it's about, it's more like also storytelling concepts. Yes. Right? And this is actually some, it's a software that is teaching you this. And, and, and along those lines, there's also these challenges uh, through these lessons, right, that, also, I, that certainly helped me just kind of, uh, you know, make sure that I learned every, every lesson. And I said to myself, man, I better not fail at any of these. If I fail at any of these, I don't know what that says about me as a editor. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I thought it was great. I, those, I thought those challenges were also just very fun. It was fun to do them. You just want to keep doing them. Yeah, that's, that's the, so what's missing, other components that are missing, and tell me if you were like this when you first got into this whole thing. Why'd you start? because it's fun. There's no other reason. I started because it was cool, because it was fun to do, because I just enjoyed the process of it. And that gets lost when you do something passive. It, it might be enjoyable to read a book, but that's not the same thing as digging in there and editing. It might be enjoyable and informative to watch a video, but that's not the same thing as digging in there and doing it. Doing it is the fun part. You know exactly what you know. I think about all the times I've tried to do a tutorial, like on any any other piece of software that's not Avid, and you know I'm watching someone like on YouTube say do a tutorial, and after a couple of minutes I'm lost. Right. I'm tuned out. Like I'm, I'm zoned out. Like I'm not paying attention. Um, and then I have just a bunch of questions, and it's just like, and I just don't keep up with it. Yep. And, and with Edit Mentor, as a thing, I was just always uh, engaged. I was, and I was always constantly learning something new. And I just wanted to keep going. I wanted to just keep doing more lessons. And there's the psychology of you score points when you do it right. Exactly. So you want to get that hundred. Yeah. Talk about, uh, I mean, this is some impressive technology. Thank you. So it, it um, the process of building this software and the curriculum was so much more intense that this is just one piece of advice I'd like to give all entrepreneurs. And I, you and I kind of almost talked about this a year ago when you, when you were just starting this, <laughs> Yeah, it was like, okay, everybody knows it's going to take longer than you think. So let's say you think something takes three months and then six months later, you realize I'm only halfway there and it's going to take me a year to complete this thing. That's, that's how everything is. You know, I thought that building the software when I, Part, when I met my partner and we had our handshake deal on it, we were going to go from what I had made, which was a clickable wireframe. Actually, at first I made one still image of what it would be. Then I made a clickable wireframe. So you can click the buttons and it kind of fakes doing whatever you think it's going to do. Um, going from that clickable wireframe to something I could just show on the screen that could do not even one-tenth of what that clickable wireframe could do took maybe six, eight months. And we thought it was going to take three months. And we launched a year later from that start date. When we launched, which was last year, 2020, around late July, early August, we took on our first 10 school customers, educational customers, about a thousand students. And as we were working with them, we, we And we had run several beta tests. We ran into a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Uh, timelines weren't loading. The system was bogging down with so many users. There was pauses on the cuts. The student invitations weren't working. Uh, I mean, just 
a million things. You know, the schools have firewalls, so they're never going to get the email. So we need a way to like get their account, you know, just, just details. And every day when my phone rang and it was a customer, I like wanted to hide. And I was like, I promise you we're working on it. I promise you we're working on it. And here we are a year later. And now I'm getting customers from emails that are like, wow, wow, wow. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is going to change my whole classroom. The kids won't leave when the bell rings. And that's what that, you know, two years of intensive effort have, have led us to. What keeps you going? I guess when you hit those moments, when they, when it's like, you're just, you know, obviously there's not just about, you know, uh, say the technology, right? It's the business side of it. I mean, the financial side. I mean, there's so many sides to creating a business. So two things. One is that I thought I could build the first curriculum myself. And that was probably hubris. <laughs> uh, I ended up, um, I brought on several teachers and uh, it took a while to build the team that we have now. And now we're like really coalesced and it, we're really kicking butt because the other part of this was there, it, there was no model to copy. Like you can make, if you were making video training series, there are a lot of other video training series. Yours might be different. You still have to write it, but there's an expectation in your mind of what it's going to be in the end because other people know what they're buying. You know, you go to a store, you buy a pair of jeans, you know what jeans are supposed to feel like, you know what price is supposed to be, you know. But with this, it was just everything's new. Like, how do you answer a question? You know, I don't know. Like, we didn't even have, we had to figure that out. How, how hard should the question be? We had, you know, should there be multiple correct answers? Should there be partially correct answers? Should there be, you know, how many points can you score for partially correct? Like everything, should there be a hint? You know, everything um, took time and practice running through the paces to to solve um, and in the curriculum. Man, the first one took six months to make 12 lessons, 100 challenges. Um, and now we just launched our advanced course. But the advanced course has 150, le- uh, 150 challenges, 13 lessons, two hours of video content and a downloadable project that played at Tribeca. And there's, I mean, it's terrific training. Yeah. Talk about that. I mean, I, I seen, uh, is that a course with, uh, Stephen Mark ACE? Yeah. So Stephen, Stephen Mark is a professor at Chapman, but also a prolific editor who has worked on some of your favorite TV shows, including my favorite TV show, Deadwood. He also made hell on wheels, Smallville and sneaky Pete and, um, many other shows, uh, mostly TV throughout his career. He was working at Chapman looking for a movie to give his students to re-edit because they couldn't shoot anything because the pandemic was starting. So, so this was back in March last year. Um, so again, like I said, edit stock sells to every film school in the world, including Chapman University, which is one of the best. And I asked Stephen if he would make this course with us. He said, yes, we recorded, he, we got him a project. He re-edited it. We recorded him re-editing it and talking about his process through the whole, uh, well, like why he was picking shots and why he was editing the scenes the way he was. Then we took it to our teachers, our curriculum designers who organized it into a really smart flow, um, who, you know, made each bit bite-sized and scaffolded and a lot of other, 
lot of, a lot of other parts that go into making good curriculum. Yeah, I mean, this. so this takes it even a step further where you have actually an award-winning editor telling you why he made certain decisions. I mean, that's, this is, that's gold right there. When you hear someone who's been doing it for so many years and, and, and is doing it professionally, winning awards, and is telling you, you know, I did this because of this, and if you do this, I mean, I, mean, I would have loved hearing that, you know, many years ago. Even now, still, I want to hear, <laughs> you know, other editors uh, cutting scenes, he, why they made certain decisions. And it starts like this. It, it actually says, Stephen introduces the topic, and then it says, what would you do? Then you got to do it. And then when you're done, it says, this is what Stephen did. And did you match what Stephen did or did you do something else? So it's even, it's even cooler than just, just listening to him. It's not a masterclass in the, in the way that masterclass.com does it, which is a, you know, a video training series. This is a, an interactive thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. It's, it's great. And I mean, so speaking of these, you know, you got kind of both courses. I mean, so is this, does Edit Mentor assume that someone has some experience or is it someone, can it be for someone that's completely new to this? I want to learn all about editing. Show me. So it's, it starts with completely new, you know, nothing. And it's not just for film. I want to point that out. Although our first two courses, if you sign in now, it's only about film, but we're next course that we're building is about broadcast journalism. Then we'll move into business videos and social media and uh, commercials and all sorts of other content. Um, But yeah, again, it's not about how the software works. It's about storytelling. And I can just guarantee you that if you sign up for free and take our basics course, there are going to be things in there that you will learn. 100%. I, I really love this one. If I can just opine for a minute about one lesson. We have a lesson uh, called character perspective. And so we say, here's, a, here's three shots in a scene where Michael is the main character and watch the scene and notice that he's on screen for the least amount of seconds. So how can you trim the scene to make him the more important character in the scene? And you just learn this rule of thumb. The character is the most important character has the most amount of screen time, that just little piece of advice. And then you have five practice lessons about that, where you try it with different movies, adjust this scene, adjust that scene, but all with the same topic. So that's what I'm saying. It's we're just practicing, just shaping a scene to prioritize a character. But you're going to take that lesson into the edit bay with you when you're working on a scene and you're going to say to yourself, who's this scene about and how do I give them more time on screen? That's our goal. There's a lot of changes happening in the world and the way we learn is changing, right? A lot of people are doing now, like I said, like master classes, a lot of, it's a lot of DIY learning. We're kind of feel like uh, slowly getting away probably from the typical kind of film school attitude or, or trajectory that we once were in, right? Where it was only these places that you were kind of go to learn about filmmaking, right? What, what do you think is the, just, I, I guess, where we're heading with regards to just learning in general, and I, I guess specifically about filmmaking? Okay. I have a lot. How much time you got? Because I got a lot to say. <laughs> so, so the first thing to know is that the, the trend for online learning is not going to stop and will never stop and is it'll stop in, you know, when there's no such thing as the internet and it's something totally different because um, the growth of uh, educational apps or what, what we call ed technology, education technology, we went from a hundred billion dollar 
education technology industry to a $500 billion education technology industry in the span of like three years. COVID has a lot to do with that, um, but also customer preference has a lot to do with that. You can learn anytime, um, anywhere. The thing that matters most to employers is there, there are two things in our industry. It's portfolio. Portfolio is number one. Um, credential is much lower. Uh, network is number two. So portfolio, number one, network, number two. Now, in some professions, the credential, like, for example, you want to be a, a doctor, you cannot be a doctor without the credential. And the credential is difficult to get online right now but someday it'll be offered online. So then you might, so with all this stuff that I'm saying to you, online is growing. Um, the uh, most important stuff, you you know, portfolio wise and, and otherwise you can get online. So what's the value of film school? There probably shouldn't be a film school. I disagree with that. There should be a film school. It's just the purpose of film school is different. It's what's called a flipped classroom approach in, uh, in my opinion. So you want to take all this stuff like, how to use the software and get it out of the classroom. So that's how we're flipping the classroom because that's the stuff that's normally taught in class. And what you want to spend your time in class doing is what schools do well, which is networking, working on projects together, having a teacher be your guide through, you know, teachers don't, most teachers don't uh, create curriculum from scratch. They do a little more on a in college than they do in high school, but actually a teacher's job mostly is to inspire the students, to shepherd them through uh, their work, hold them accountable when they don't do their work, um, and to identify their weaknesses and help them correct their weaknesses. That's what a teacher does. A teacher is a, a guide, someone who points out your mistakes. Okay, what a teacher does not have to be is the greatest editor that's ever lived. You know, that that's actually much less important than that they pay attention to you and what you're doing and give you feedback or inspire you. Those those are much more important. You know, you've worked as a, again, as an assistant editor and editor. Um, and, uh, you know, now obviously you're an entrepreneur, still, de- you know, still working in the industry, like you said, doing other, other things, obviously. Um, but uh, w- w- you obviously have dealt with technology. Yeah. And obviously now, look, uh, like again, talking about change, a lot of us are working from home. Things are changing in this industry as, as well, also as far as how we work. Yeah. What do you see, I guess, where we're heading with regards to uh, technology? And obviously, I mean, you're, 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 you're deep into this as well. No, so the Edit Mentor does not have an office and we have like 20 employees um, about. We have a, a big, our technical development team, including not just product development likes the software, but also uh, user interface or graphic design and marketing. A lot of that is done. Most of it is done in Armenia The uh, by, by my business partners. So this is not like someone I'm, you know, outsourcing stuff to. This is, these are equity holding business partners who, uh, whose opinions shape the product massively. And then uh, on my side, my teachers mostly are located in uh, Pittsburgh and our assistant um, and and editor, video editor is located in the Bahamas and our uh, 
local marketing person is in San Diego. We meet every week. This is what I tell them about their hours. I really, I don't care what time of day you work, what day of the week you work. We have goals that we're, that we aim for. And, uh, and that's it. We're just driven by our milestones. Well, do you have any openings? Because uh, I love I love that attitude, <laughs> man. I mean, I mean, do you think that uh, editors will go back to offices? Yes, uh, I don't think every editor will. I think that the sort of the more, you know, listen, everything in Hollywood's this like power contest, right? If you're a very very, very uh, prominent, successful editor, and you're working for someone who is maybe a little less successful, you could probably just insist that you're going to work from home. Um, and vice versa, if, if uh, it's a very successful director, they might just require you to come to the office. There is important interaction um, and artistic work that happens when you meet with each other. Working with a director in person matters. Working with a visual effects editor or your uh, you know, composer matters. Like You know from experience that when the composer comes in and you have that um, that session, you get a lot done, right? I mean, in just a couple of hours, you can spitball the whole thing, what replace what 10,000 emails would do. And so, no, that that's not going away, but we could be way more flexible in terms of, um, you know, my, I want to go to my kids thing. So I'm going to work at home for the day. No reason we can't do that. You talked about how there's just millions and millions of you know uh, videos on, on YouTube. Um, a lot of people are are editing their own content. What's happening to the craft of editing? Oh man, it's a beautiful thing. What's happening? A beautiful thing. Uh, stop thinking of editing as a highly specialized artistic field for professionals only. Just knock that out of your head. It is that too, but. It's a language. Video, video is a literacy, no different than reading and writing. Actually, it is different in this way. You have to teach people to read and write. You do not have to teach people to understand video literacy. When they watch something, they automatically get a feeling, understand a story. Uh, they may not be able to create it. So when I say people are video literate or video illiterate, I'm talking about from the authoring side, from the side that creates the content. But all of us are capable of understanding a video. Just think of how powerful that is. You can make a video here in America and someone in any part of the world could have the emotional reaction that you want them to have, right? Just think of how universal the language of video is. So the way I see it is, Every person on planet Earth is going to have to learn to be video literate, meaning learn how to create a video for their job to for if they become an entrepreneur to uh, share their ideas with the world, even share their scientific ideas for the world. You know, you want to apply to a grant as a scientist. How much more impactful is your application if it comes with a video? So everyone will need to communicate. With video, I'm constantly blown away by just the the content that I see, uh, you know, on social media, wherever, wherever it is, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, people are just so creative. 
I mean, and it's uh, people of all ages. Yeah. I mean, it's just the things that they're doing through video, the stories that people are telling. It, it's 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 just amazing, and you know, there's just so much of it. It's just never ending. Have you seen it? There's like billions of you know views every day, and it's like, I mean, it's it's it is beautiful the, the amount of content that just is out there. At least I'm somewhere, certainly someone that does appreciate it. And on one hand, you could look at it like. Oh, it's scary because in the scope of the whole world's content, Hollywood is very small um, with our 5,000 editors, right? When China has 1.6 billion people who are consuming movies. Um, But I view it as this really beautiful way of understanding other people. You know, there's no reason that other countries shouldn't share their culture and values and morals and beliefs through videos. There's no reason that Hollywood should have that monopoly on the world. We're just very successful at, at as an industry in marketing what we create. And um, we've created through decades sales channels to do that. And we continue to innovate and lead on that front. I love California for that reason. Um, I love Netflix for that reason. I love how Amazon and Apple are investing in, um, in our content, bringing jobs to our to our great state and to countries and states around uh, or states around the country and countries around the world. Another way I like to think of it, I, heard, I watched a video not long ago and we, I use this all the time. I love this analogy of George Lucas talking about who's founded a company called Edutopia, which focuses on what works in education. So what, what are the actual, not just in video, but in any subject, what actually gets people to learn? And one concept he's sort of pioneered or at least believes in is we put video into the category of art as if it is somehow other or different. You know, it's a it's a fun thing. It's a play thing. We could have it or not have it. It's an extracurricular. It's an elective. We don't think of it as a very valid form of communication, no different than English. And we really should. We really should be thinking of it much more like the English department, which is a cemented core part of our education system. We should be thinking of video editors less so as Andy Warhol and more so like plumbers, because every single business needs an editor. Every single one, every single business makes a video. So, you know, why should that be limited to just these 30,000 people? And it's not already. It's not. Misha, you know, I, I recently saw a post on Facebook about someone who was trying to actually transition out of editing to start a new career. This person was, uh, you know, a little bit nervous, didn't know how to do it. It's, of course, it's scary to take that leap, obviously, to, to, to transition out of anything to start a new career. What would your advice be for someone that's trying to transition to a new career? Okay. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. The first thing is people assume that entrepreneurs are these huge risk takers, right? Like we jump off the cliff or whatever. Actually, entrepreneurs can be very conservative, very, very conservative. When I started edit stock, I put in $3,000 to build the website because I couldn't build it myself. Uh, and to build a logo. And I said, I will never put another dollar in because um, I I don't want to lose more than that when this thing obviously fails. And it, you know, 
I didn't leave my job immediately. And the first three months of edit stock being open, it earned $100 total, all revenue combined in three months. It took me two years from the day we started before I left to do it full time. And when I left, it still couldn't quite replace my salary, but it could keep me afloat. Um, And it would be another year or two before it replaced my salary and I lived the same life I lived when I worked on TV shows. Um, Now I'm taking the money that I earn from Edit Stock and investing it into building Edit Mentor. So it's not some hugely debt funded. I didn't sell my house and, um, you know, fuel growth that way. It's actually been relatively conservative until we figured out that it works. Okay. So my advice for you is it's not as risky as you think. You absolutely have to try it. You have to follow your heart. Then there's all the very specific advice about how to get started. So that that's a, kind of a separate answer to a separate question. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love it, man. And, and to hear that and just, uh, you know, following you, I guess, you know, for the last couple of years, kind of hearing first when you started edit stock, I always thought it was cool and kind of hear, hearing your, your story um, and thought it was cool you were doing. And now with edit mentor, I mean, man, you're taking it to the next level. Uh, so uh, tell us just where can we find all about you and, and your products? Uh, let us know. All right. Edit mentor is next level. And if you want to try it for free, go to editmentor.com and give us a shot. You can take the entire basic course for nothing. If you want to email me, it's just Misha, M-I-S-H-A, at editmentor.com. I loved working with you and meeting you over the last uh, year, year and a half, too. And I'm excited about um, your offering, too. And I think everyone should come get uh, personalized training from you as well. Awesome, Misha. It's been great, like I said, great getting to know you, great working with you. And also, thank you for getting me into tea oh yeah i've had some delicious brews man thank you great great tips there ed cool yeah i love tea i still love tea all right michelle well thanks again for uh, your time for being here uh great having you here on the hollywood editing mentor podcast uh, i'm sure we'll be chatting again soon uh, best of luck with edit mentor edit suck and, and any of your future endeavors okay thank you so much it's been a pleasure Really interesting chat there with Misha Tanamon. It was great to learn more about Edit Mentor. Like I said, I tried it myself and I cannot recommend it enough. If you want to learn about editing and storytelling, make it a point to check out Edit Mentor. Thanks again for listening to episode 24 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And please share this episode with anyone that's interested in learning more about editing and the world of post-production. And sign up to be part of the Hollywood Editing Mentor community by visiting hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash community. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor program. Stay safe, stay positive.